Let's welcome Matt, everyone. We both scrubbed up today. <laughs> Ties and everything. High proof. <laughs> you know there's some serious business going on in church when we've got ties on. Let's pray for a man. Lord Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Matt's life. Lord, you, you're just doing wonderful things, and we just see you shining out of this man. I've heard him called Mr. Sunshine before now. So it's a privilege for us to sit and listen to him as he opens the word like breaking fresh bread before us. Lord, we want to be hungry for you. We want to be hungry for what you've got to say. And so, Lord, I just pray you would open our hearts, open our minds to hear what Matt's going to bring now. And I pray that as he speaks, he just know complete peace and freedom to be himself and to deliver what you've given for him to say. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Aid. I don't know about Mr. Sunshine. I feel like Mr. Test Card this morning. <laughs> Checks and stripes. I'm not sure about that, but still. Good morning. Be devoted to fellowship. That's what we're going to talk about today. Be devoted. And I wanted to start by um, just reading a section from this. This is a book that you could get from... Uh, the bookshop here, from Brian Pan's lovely bookshop, is called Walking in the Dust of the Rabbi Jesus. And we're going to start by, by reading from that. Walking in his dust. The way Jesus taught his first disciples was not unique, but part of a wider tradition in Judaism that began a few centuries ago uh, before this time. Jesus didn't hand his disciples a textbook or give them a course syllabus. He asked each one of them to follow him, literally to walk after him. He invited them to trek the byways at his side, living life beside him, to learn from him as they journeyed. His disciples would engage in life's activities along with him, observing his responses and imitating how he lived by God's word. Out of this unusual teaching method arose a well-known saying, you should learn from the rabbi by covering yourself in his dust. You should follow so closely behind him as he travelled from town to town teaching that billows of sandy granules would cling to your clothes. As you walked after your rabbi, your heart would change. This will be our task in this book, to stroll through Jesus' ancient world at his side, listening to his words with the ears of a disciple. So it's, it's, a, it's a good read. And I, and I wanted to open with that for sort of a particular reason, because that going through that has started me dreaming a bit. And I've been sort of dreaming and imagining myself in the times of Jesus, dare I go as far as to say that I've donned one of the costumes that we might use for a third Sunday and really got into costumes. So I usually choose the big blue blanket that does up because it's a bit more forgiving. Um, 
and I you know, just want to try and immerse myself in those times. So imagine with me, if you will, for today, that we're just around and about the time that's just after the crucifixion. It's a hot and dusty day on the streets of Jerusalem, and we can sort of look in at the apostles. They've just witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus. They've witnessed the burial of Jesus. And they have then witnessed the amazing resurrection of Jesus. In the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to the apostles on numerous occasions, proving to them, and I quote, Act 1, verse 3, that in many ways he was actually alive. The apostles witnessed the ascension of Jesus to heaven, leaving with them with the instructions to wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift of being baptised with the Holy Spirit. So they wait. And I sort of thought to myself, that must have been a bit of a wait as well, because up until that moment, things had been moving very, very rapidly. I think that that last part of Jesus' ministry would have been a serious roller coaster. So they wait. And as with all of God's promises, the fulfilment of the Holy Spirit comes and the day of Pentecost arrives. And this is another bit I've really tried to immerse myself in to think what, what would it have been like when that, that day of Pentecost came. First, you've got all the believers together. And they would have been in the, in the temple precincts. In, <clears throat> if we turn to Acts 24. Sorry, that should be Luke 24. I just realised my own mistake. Luke 24. And right at the end, we're looking at the ascension. Then Jesus led them to Bethany. I'm reading from the NLT, so apologies for that. But, um, led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And this is the verse that's important. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. They spent all of their time. So for me, when I pictured this, I've pictured them at the temple because that's where they were all of the time. So if you just... In your mind's eye, just picture all the disciples together in the temple precincts. And then suddenly there's this mighty sound, the mighty windstorm it sounded like. And what appeared to be tongues of fire coming from their heads. And they started to talk in different languages. Meanwhile, people came running when they heard this mighty noise. And again, I've tried to envisage myself running to where I could hear that noise coming from maybe trying to hang on to my sandals at the same time because it's difficult to run in, run in sandals. So they're running towards it to see what was going on. What was that massive noise? You know when you're on Dartmoor sometimes and the jets go over and it creeps up on you and suddenly before you know it you, you see the jet and then you know, they've got that massive 
sort of noise and, and, and boom that comes with it, well, I reckon it would have been tenfold. Dartmouth regatta to the max, I've written here. <laughs> we know that as these people came running, I come across all these guys speaking in different languages, and what do they do? They ridicule them. They think it's hilarious. They just say, oh, they must be drunk. Look, you know, this is crazy. And the Apostle Peter steps forward and he begins to preach to the crowd. And I love the way that he starts this. Because he starts it with a messianic prophecy from the prophet Joel. And thinking that he's in the temple, you know, sort of precincts, you're going to have people there that know their Old Testament. And I reckon this would have stopped them in their tracks. They would have thought, oh, hang on, hang on. Did somebody just say something about this messianic, this, 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 this word from the prophet Joel? So I think the laughter and the ridicule would have probably stopped quite quickly when they realised that, you know, somebody's saying, this is the prophecy. And we know that Peter preached the gospel of how salvation comes through Jesus Christ and 3,000 people believed and were baptised that day. Praise God. Now the reason that I wanted to sort of go through that bit of scripture, A, because it conjures up all sorts of feelings about that time and all sorts of images. And because it's when we grasp the enormity of the events within the book of Acts, the birth of the early church, that we start to conceive the way that God formed bonds to strengthen the apostles and these new believers. So we finally get to the bit of scripture that has given rise to this uh, preaching series um, termed Devoted. So should we turn to Acts 2, verse 42? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. The Bible teacher, Tom Wright, describes this as the four marks of the church. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. And what we're going to try and focus on today is fellowship. The, the Greek for this word um, fellowship is koinonia. I think we've mentioned that before in church. And it means, it means communion, it means joint participation, it means sharing in common. And I believe this is as essential today as it was for the early church. We need each other. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 tells us the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body and so it is with the body of Christ. To learn to love in a family context. Us. I don't believe that it's wise to pursue a, a lone ranger type of Christian life. I don't think that's God's intention and I repeat we need each other. 
On our church family night, Rebecca opened the evening by reading from that passage from Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, and listen to verse 25. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Now, we're not just a sort of random bunch of nice people that meet up on a Sunday morning, sing some songs, listen to a preach, have a cup of tea and some biscuits, and then just toddle off. No. No, I don't think we are. We meet together in fellowship to worship the one true God. We meet together in fellowship to hear the word of God. We meet together in fellowship to look out for our brothers and sisters and to pray for each other and with each other. And I believe that there is a power that comes when we meet together. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And that power is the power of Jesus because he, leaves, he lives in each and every one of us. There is power in true unity. The strength of the fellowship that we experience here in church is something that I believe brings great joy to our Father. He smiles, I'm sure. And it may be Sunday church, it may be home groups, it may be women's scripture, family night, prayer meetings, worship collective, ale to the king, weekends away at Lee Abbey. All of these represent our fellowship with each other. And we need fellowship to grow as individuals and as a church. I, need, I believe that we need to look beyond any differences that we may have with each other and simply serve each other. And there's a bit of a personal here. I can share with you that if for whatever reason I might miss church or have not been able to do home group or for whatever reason, usually because of work or something like that, I actually feel a little bit lost. I start to sort of maybe find myself not in the right place in my heart. And I know that in my spirit, I'm missing fellowship. Yeah. I'm missing you lot. <laughs> now, before we leave this aspect of fellowship, I'd like to highlight um, a particular part of our fellowship. The more mature element of our congregation. Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look down when I say this, the older folk. Just so that I don't catch anybody's eye. <laughs> now, I'm not going to specifically give an age bracket for this. I'm just going to trust that we as a family know who that is, know who our older folk are. And I don't want to put my foot in it and offend anyone. A couple of years back, we had a party for three 80-year-olds that are part of our church. We had an octogenarian party. It was great. It was a brilliant event. We had loads of tea, had loads of cake. And towards the end of the afternoon, we had a questions and answers session. It was brilliant. I think the youth put together some of the questions and um, then we had some questions from the floor that they would ask to these men that were up the front. And they were asked all sorts of probing questions. God spoke to me that day. One of the questions was, it's a bit of a tongue twister, so I have to go steady. 
What would you have done? <laughs> would you have done anything differently if you knew then what you know now? Yeah? And one of the answers was this. I would have consulted God more. I was blessed that day. That's something that I've tried to incorporate into my walk with Jesus. The point of this is, is that as a church, we're truly blessed with an abundance of wisdom and life experience. And I felt very much that I wanted to acknowledge that depth of wisdom and encourage us all as a church to recognise that gift from God. So that's the fellowship that we share with each other. But there's another fellowship that is part of all of this. So let's turn to 1 John. One John. Now the epistle 1 John is thought of as a bit of a church circular letter sent out to a number of churches. Uh, scholars have put together the notion that this letter simply is addressing believers. It doesn't indicate who they were or where they lived. It's the fact that it mentions no one by name that suggests that it's an open letter and would have been sent out to lots of churches. There must have been a, an AD 90 equivalent of Rebecca sending out the newsletter, just not on the email. So let's look at uh, 1 John, verse 3. Verse 3. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things to you so that you may fully share our joy. So you see, what he's talking about here is fellowship that is with God. It's essential that we have a fellowship that moves in a heavenly direction as well as our fellowship that is amongst us. Our Father in heaven wants nothing more than to have fellowship with his beloved children. Let's turn to Genesis 3. And we're going to look at verse 8 and 9. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord amongst the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? So, the bit that I love about that is the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? See how actively he wants to fellowship with us. He wants us. He's interested. We talked last week about being new creations when we come to Christ. As new creations, we have no reason or need to hide. Jesus has gifted us the right to have full fellowship with God. 
Look at the beauty of what Jesus achieved for us on the cross. He's taken our sin so that we may have a pure route to God, the Father. At the crucifixion, we're told in Luke 23, verse 45, the light from the sun was gone. And suddenly, the curtain from the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. You see the direction of this tear? I like to think of it, it comes from above, it comes from the heavens. It's coming in a downwards direction. It's evidence to me that God actively wants to fellowship with us. So as a practical application for our fellowship with God, I would encourage us to pray, to worship, and to get into the word. It's interesting, yesterday I was at home, and as many people will know, it was not a nice day yesterday in the morning, although it cheered up in, in the afternoon. And I decided, um, in my infinite wisdom, to clear out some ditches. We, we, we live on a farm, and I thought, it's hammering it down with rain. I can see that things are getting a bit gummed up. I'm going to go and clear some ditches. So I got togged up in my waterproofs and everything and got out and started doing all this with a rake and a shovel and just clearing out where all the debris from hedge trimming has got stuck in the, in the ditches. Okay, brilliant as well, because as I finished, the sun came out. <laughs> brilliant, thank you. So um, I noticed something while I was doing this. I was, I was at one particular patch and it was all a bit, it, the ditch had got so full of debris that I was raking the stuff out. And I, and I just stood there and realised that as I was taking the, all the stuff out, the water flowed a lot more easy. Well, you know, I can hear you saying, Matt, that's not rocket science. That is what, that's what a blockage is. <laughs> exactly. And you'd be exactly right. The other thing was, was the water that flowed now was a lot more clear. So I stood there for a little bit and I thought, you know what? If we keep our ditches clear in our fellowship with God, I believe that the flow can be a little bit more clear and a little bit more clean as well. Yeah? It's great. So still with fellowship in our minds, let's turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. And we're going to look at chapter 5. I've got a note in the side of my Bible here. From February 2012, uh, God spoke to me through this particular verse. So it was, it's really, um, it's really feels quite fulfilling to, to bring it into something I'm going to share with you guys. You know? um, and God spoke to me through through clouds. Actually, I, I saw a um, I saw a, quite clearly a, the the body of a lion that was in a cloud. And you know when you sort of look into the sometimes I might actively look for something in the clouds. You can't see a thing. But this was as clear as anything. This, that there was a lion in the sky. I could see it, and it it, it led me to this. I, I um, it led me to this verse. Anyway. That's a bit of an aside. 
So we're going to look at Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8 to 9. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. I find this scripture really encouraging. This is, an, this is a real encouragement to me, and I hope it is to you. Because what this says to me is, you're not alone. We are not alone as individuals. I love that line in last week's preach that evoked the picture of the devil pulling strings that are attached to our old self. Ever felt like a puppet or a muppet? <laughs> the, the problem is, even though we're made new, we're still fair game for the enemy and we need to be aware. We need to be on our guard. It's great how this verse starts at stay alert. When I first came to Christ, when I said yes to Jesus, when I was tired of my old self and wanted to be made new, I thought that I could draw a line under my sinful life and lead this brand new sin-free life. Ooh. No. No. It doesn't work like that, does it? I'm flesh. I can be drawn into sin like any of us. But... In times of weakness, I can gain strength from fellowship within my church family and through fellowship with my God. You know, when we try to battle with the enemy, it's so much easier when we're together. Yeah? I sometimes have this image in my mind. Check this out. This is a further insight into the mind of Matt. <laughs> I don't know whether I should be doing this anyway. I have a light bulb plugged into the top of my head that gently glows all the time whilst I'm just sort of going about my day. And when we get to Sundays, when we get to church, I often quite like to get here a little bit early. Better to be early than late, my dad used to say. And when we meet together in church, people start filtering in. And I feel my light bulb just start to get a little bit brighter. Yeah? And as more people gather in church, that brightness really gets going for me. I'm recharged with light when we meet together. That fellowship together has set my bulb at a higher intensity to take away with me when I go out into the world. And boy, the darkness finds it much more difficult to pull the strings when I've got the light. I'll tell you another thing, that glow can be really bright when we pray to our Father. He will hold our hand and increase the intensity of each and every bulb that is here. Okay. So the last bit of scripture that we're going to look at is Acts 29. 
Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Fraser. I could see you laughing already as I said it. It isn't there. It isn't there. There is no Acts 29. Oh, how we laughed. You see, Acts 29, that's us. We are the church. We're the next church. So stay in fellowship. Build up in fellowship. And guard your fellowship. Okay. What I wanted to do now was... Um, we're going to pray in a second together. And then we're going to listen to uh, a song... Um, that's on the Ben Trigg CD. I don't know if anybody managed to get to the Worship Collective um, uh, sort of Friday night and the, the Saturday morning that we had, I think it was last weekend, is that right? Everything travels so quickly. Um, and it's on the, the yellow CD, absolutely brilliant. So we're gonna listen to that. Um, yeah, and I'd just, I'd just encourage you to really, con yeah, maybe close your eyes and just concentrate on the words to that song because you could just listen to that song and you wouldn't have to listen to me for, <laughs> for that amount of time because it's, it's beautiful. Okay, shall we stand? And I would, I would really encourage us, I know it might seem a bit odd, but I'd, I'd really like us to hold hands wherever you are. We don't have to all sort of be linked up, but I'd encourage you to hold hands. Because we are a church, we are a church family, we are in fellowship. So Lord, we thank you for this church family. Yes, Lord. Lord, thank you for fellowship and the love that we have for each other. Lord, thank you for the fellowship that you offer us. And Lord, will you help us to be in a clean relationship with you and with our brothers and sisters. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Amen. Amen. So if we just take a seat, and then I think the lovely Chris, the sound man, is going to... Oh, yeah. 
song as well. So good to reflect upon. I love the idea about us being an Acts 29 church. We're continuing the story that, that finished in Acts 28. And I love the idea of us being um, protectors of that koinonia, that fellowship. Protectors and creators yeah. of it. Yeah. That is something that God does through us. And um, when I was chatting with Matt beforehand, Matt was saying, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm suggesting that there's, there's a lot of uh, breakdown of relationship in any way, that we need to really work on this fellowship aspect of church life, um, which didn't come across at all. Um, but actually, I, I really feel like um, better to preach on it in peacetime you know, better to look at the importance of our fellowship and our unity, our togetherness, and making sure that our hearts are right one with another and that the Spirit of God is flowing through us when there are no big fallouts or massive issues. Because actually, it, it, it's so much better to, to grasp it and to live it. It's, it's more preventative than reactive. Does that make sense? Yeah. And actually, if we're committed to it, I believe that we can deal with things while they're small, yeah. before they get big. Yeah. I love that image of the ditches. And uh, as I share this, I wonder if the band could come and set up. That image of the ditches spoke to me so powerfully, not just because it was quite funny to think of Matt slopping around in a ditch in the rain yesterday, but the idea that, that he was clearing out because of the stuff that had just collected over time, it just does. 
It was the hedge trimming. Stuff grows and then it gets cut and then it causes a blockage and it sort of builds up almost imperceptibly until somebody notices that the water's not flowing quite like it should. And then the clear out comes and the waters flow, clean and strong. And I think it's what it's like in any community. Stuff grows. Stuff grows and we do. We get to that point where, where you know, we want to clean up our act, we want to deal with things, we cut things back. Um, and unperceptibly, sometimes there grows this blockage where we've been hurt by people, we've been hurt by church, we carry then a kind of guardedness and things like that. And things just grow. And actually, I really believe this is a great opportunity in peacetime to actually get, get in there and say, God, show me where I need to release that flow again in my life. Show me where the blockages is are in my heart. Lord, do I still have a hang-up with anybody in this fellowship? Do I still have a hang-up with anybody from a previous fellowship where we've come from? Is there any more letting go that I need to, to do? Because I want that water to flow strong and I want it to flow clean and I want it to flow clear in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to be unhindered. And I think nothing grieves the Holy Spirit quite like harbouring grudges. Um, and when we just refuse to let go of those things that set us against each other. He loves that peace. And it says in the word, in Corinthians, it says, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So that's the freeing up that comes when the spirit of the Lord is moving. So I wonder if we can take some time, because we've got lots of time today. Whether we could just take some time, with, uh, if we could have some people, some of the prayer ministry team on both sides, by the spiral staircases, maybe a few at the back there, few at this end. And if there's something that comes to mind, you think, ah, that's a real blockage for me. If the Holy Spirit puts his finger on something, that you have a heavy thought that comes to mind, I think I need to deal with that. I want to encourage you to go to one of our prayer people, because there's something about confessing it and bringing it out into the light with someone that's not going to judge you. And then just together, bring that to God that can clear it out in the most profound and wonderful way. So I want to encourage you to do that. I'm just going to do some business with God, connecting with him and connecting with one another and enjoying also the way that God has knit us together as a church and made us a true family of God. Why don't we stand, if you want to, and we're going to spend a bit of time worshipping and honouring God for what he's doing amongst us.